What's up everybody? This is Nar, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Side. This season, we're interviewing people who are pursuing their creative passions. For our first episode, we have Abhi Kanakadandola, a good friend and an artist who has roots in Hyderabad, India, Chicago, and St. Louis. Abhi, aka Dondilla, sat down with Jeremiah recently to talk about his journey growing up in the suburbs of St. Louis, to being a part of the New York City underground hip-hop scene, and to creating art in LA. He recently dropped a new single and music video titled Melanin in the Hamptons, and it's streaming on all platforms, so go check it out. That's just the start though. It's difficult to capture his persona in a few sentences, so we'll let the episode do that for you. Coming up, you hear our intro song to the podcast, a track by Abhi himself called Nazareth, followed by Jeremiah's conversation with him. Let's get to it. I think when you said like earlier about like, you know, the premise of like this podcast and trying to capture people at a specific moment, it's like, I'm not going to be delusional about what this moment is. Like right now, this moment is something. This moment is something. Yeah, get after it. Move forward until the day that the atoms split. Turn St. Louis to Lazarus. Turn Chicago to Nazareth. Uh, that's how you feel. My spirit feel like Bobby Seale with a million dollars. Yeah, of course. We live. We live. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so my name is Abi Kanakadandila. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, after St. Louis, spent some time in New York, and then currently working. Not really working anymore. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Currently making music, writing, and, and doing a whole bunch of other stuff uh, out in Los Angeles. Yep. Um, and we're back in St. Louis right now. Right. Yeah. Undisclosed location. Undisclosed <laughs> location, but for those who know, know exactly where we're yeah, at. Yeah, it's familiar. Uh, and it's incredibly humbling, yeah. How does it feel to be back? We both came back for Labor Day weekend, spend time with family. How does it feel? I mean, I think you said it best earlier. It's like... It's the first time I've been back home and I need to use navigation, man. Like, it's a completely different country to me now. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. It's like the roads aren't as familiar. I mean, we're just whipping by, like, close to by where we went to high school, right? Yeah. It's like, we didn't realize how terrifying that shit was, man. There's no sleep street lights anywhere. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Be it that this is the one of the most expensive <laughs> counties in all the states. But... Yeah, keep it dark. Yeah. It was uh, instinctual, though driving i was having a conversation while i was driving here and i put your address in the gps and once i got to the highway i was having a pretty passionate conversation and all of a sudden i was at your house it took over (laughs) yeah so like it's there's the the familiarity is still strong yeah you make it to the highway and you're good yeah (laughs) there's nobody on the streets either no it's empty yeah uh, yeah, man, it's beautiful. I mean, honestly, just like came back, just kind of like you to kick it with family over like the Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, and then back to California tomorrow morning. Yeah. Back, back to California in less than eight hours. So. Absolutely. And it's been a crazy <laughs> year. It's been a crazy few years for you. Yeah. But let's actually zero down into what's happening right now. It's been a crazy week. Yeah. Um, we're about a week and a half into you showing your your music your video to the world and uh, putting yourself out there can you take us through what the last week and a half has felt like for you yeah of course I mean I think um, so I guess for those of y'all that are kind of new to this so I guess mentioned that I was an artist so I've been making hip-hop since 2011 
um, and then recently got back into it around three years ago and last week dropped uh, a new single called Melon in the Hamptons along with a video um, that I actually been sitting on video for about a year and the track itself for like you know the better part of like a year and a half almost two years right um, and so you know last week actually I mean I guess like over like the last month it was just like this process right it's like all right I'm sitting on it. I set a release date find someone to post it all this anxiety about how people are going to react to it because at that point you've shown like you know 20 30 people you know in your personal life but it's one of the weird things about sharing art with the people that love you is that you never really know when they're being honest with you yeah. you know and that's yeah. just always going to be the case yeah you know because they have a vested interest in making sure you're happy and so you get a lot of positive feedback, but you don't really know if people are going to be inspired by something or if you're going to be able to make the impact you want to make until you get it in front of people that have never heard about you before. Yeah. You know, and allow them to and see if it hits them on like a personal level. Um, and so the last week has been beautiful. You know, it's like we premiered it, the video had a release thing in my crib. You obviously flew down like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> I got hey. I got a text from Jeremiah. I mean, I got a text from Jeremiah. Like oh uh, Tuesday, uh, day of the release party, hits me up at three thirty. I posted on Instagram. I was like, "Yo, like release party tonight at my place at seven p.m. in Los Angeles." Ill advertisement. Bring alcohol and fried chicken. Bring alcohol and fried chicken, of course, as is customary yeah. and respectful, <laughs> right? I had to, man. Yeah, and I get a text from him thirty minutes later. It's like, yo, I get in. There's a Southwest flight that gets me in at 7:20. Should I, should I pull the trigger? I'm like, yeah, I pull the trigger. He's like the you best. Were, you were like the eighth person at the release party, man. You were mad early. Yeah. <laughs> like, and for me, I know that this is just a start for you and in, in, in putting out your music in this way. But so this isn't gonna be the last time you you have a experience like that. But it's the yeah, last first time for sure that you drop something like this. And let's talk about the video. Let's talk about myth. Let's talk about Melon in the Hamptons and just. Yeah, kind of using that as sort of a vessel to explain your vision and, and, and taking us back to St. Louis Yeah, and your experience here and then to New York and then to LA and then now Mellon and the Hamptons like how did that happen? Uh, yeah, yeah, so essentially share my life, <laughs> of course everything. No, I, I mean you know, Melanin is like it's a moment right now, right? It's a small moment, but it's a moment, you know? Yeah. But I don't, you know, it's, it, it, it comes in waves, right? Like, yeah. I don't see this as just like some like linear climb, right? Yeah. It's like, there have been moments in my life where I've been much lower than this. There have been moments in my life on like the converse that I've been much higher than this, you know? Like, I don't want to act like this is just some like st steady linear descent. It's not, I don't know what part of the journey I'm on right now, you know? Yeah. Could be the beginning, it could be the end, it could be the middle, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I can tell you is that, you know, we're, we're back home, right? Like right yeah. now. And you knew me when we were growing up. Yeah. Right. And especially when you're like kind of growing up and like kind of, as you become an adult, a lot of the frustration that you experience in your life becomes, all right, do I need to essentially throw on a mask when I walk out of the house every day? Right. I've got all these thoughts in my head. I have a certain perspective of the world, but am I able to convey that and articulate it without judgment, yes. you know? And then the entire journey, like, past that, right? And really for me, and trying to, like, find peace with, like, identity and, like, happiness, really freedom 
has been like trying to take steps on this journey in order that like the thoughts that I have in my head and the person that I am and what I believe in, what I'm passionate about are able to be manifested in the real world without yeah. having to receive any judgment. And that comes down to like, you know, starting off here, right? There's a certain image of the type of person that I was supposed to be, that I was groomed to be. And I think at the end of high school, right, you saw that kind of like oozing out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, steaming like a pressure pot. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it finds its way out. What a speak a little bit more about what you're the, the pressurized situation that you found yourself in yeah growing up here and going through our high school and how why was it the end of high school where you felt that you could actually start to sort of scratch some of those itches of yeah of, of genuine sort of expression and, and where you wanted to be artistically yeah of course i think it's like and i I guess I think about this a lot, right? And I think, look, creativity is something that was like a huge part of my life throughout high school, right? I was yeah. like writing poetry throughout like middle school, into high school, doing a whole bunch of drama throughout, expressing myself in that way, and ultimately evolved into spoken word like by like senior year. And I was yeah. very serious about it. I was passionate about it, didn't really recognize that I was serious about it passionate about it you know and it was something that I had started to craft my identity around yeah. right because all I wanted to talk about it's all I wanted to read about you know and I think like even like fast forwarding like into the future it's just like creativity found a way back into my life whether I asked it to or not so there's something to be said about like innate passions and like being yeah. able to recognize those when they're actually there yeah. and so why it started oozing out at the end of high school is because I had kind of checked the box on everything that I needed to do and was expected to do yeah and that's like a theme throughout my entire life. It's like always like, and I think it's a lot of the pressures that we face is like, and you get this as like kids of immigrants. It's like, it's one thing, right? To be like an American and you're like told as like a kid growing up is that, you know, the world is your oyster. You need to be able to follow every single dream that you want, right? Mm-hmm. Really embrace your passions. But there's the flip side of that, right? Yes. On the immigrant side of things. It's just like, and what you realize when you have like, you know, parents that come from villages, you know, like yours and like mine, what you realize is that the ability to pursue your passion is a luxury. Yeah. And it's a luxury uniquely gifted to citizens of the developed world in a lot of cases, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, it's impossible to bifurcate those two things and you cannot trivialize, you know, the type of pressures that yeah. that you're being faced with, right? Yeah. I hope my son doesn't need to, that my son is able to follow his passions on like square one, right? Yeah. But there's also this risk on the flip side that if I fuck up, right? Yeah. You have an entire bloodline that's uprooted itself and come to a different country. Yeah. And it's a single point of failure. If this generation isn't able to propel them yeah. forward, we go back. And then what was all that loss of culture worth? Yeah. It's worth absolutely zero, right? Yeah. And so it's a recognition of that. I think just throughout my life at every single stage, it's like, and why it's been like so, we talk about pressure cooker, right? Why it's yeah. been so stressful yeah. is the fact that in order for me to pursue my passion, yeah. I have got to check every single other box. I have to achieve my parents' dreams while I am concurrently achieving my dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's stressful, but it's something that I've made like a conscious choice to do. Yeah. 
Because now, like, I look at myself in, like, 2019, you know? And I know that had I not busted my ass and did all these other things, right, that I genuinely learned from, genuinely made me a better person, and I'm now able to feed that experience back into the art. Yeah. If I, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have their support in doing what I'm doing right now. Absolutely. Right? And, like, yeah. and that's everything, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned your parents several times and the opposite of the world being your oyster is the truth that your father and your mother and my father gave us from the rip which is life is hard yeah life is difficult <laughs> you have to go and work twice as hard you have to make sure that you check all those boxes just so that you can be in the space just so you can be in the room just so that you can have your words legitimized. Yeah. Your parents and your your, your your father in particular, the relationship that you have with him, how has that evolved over time? And where is it right now? <laughs> it's honest, it's in the best place that, you know, it's ever, it's ever been. Yeah. And I think it's just like, I mean, there's like the macro contributor to that, right? It's just age, mm-hmm. you know, as... And you, you see this as your parents get old. As yeah. your parents get old, they tell you to, you know, they tend to be a lot more sensitive to you and they care a lot more about your happiness than judging whether or not you're successful on relative terms. But the other side of that is just they just tend to tell you they love you more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's one of those things where you'll hear it and the first time you hear it, it, it just seems like it comes out of nowhere, right? <laughs> Especially when it's, like, genuine, you know? Absolutely. Because we didn't grow up like that, right? It's like we didn't grow up every single day. We, we didn't leave the house and, like, you know, they weren't like, oh, like, love you. Like, love you too, Mom. You know, what's blah, crazy blah. is that now my dad won't stop saying it. He won't stop saying it, He won't it, stop right? saying that he loves me. And it's, <laughs> and it's crazy because it's, it's, like, oh, it's just not it's just not in the DNA, right, mm-hmm. of the culture. It's not. And, but it... And it's something that you kind of like yearn for when you're like growing up, right? Yes. Is that like validation, yes. right? But then on the flip side, right now, I'm being showered with it and I'm hesitant to give it back as much because it's awkward for me to say it back. It's awkward for me yep. to reciprocate, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's it's something I'm like learning to do, yeah. you know, because it's it's, it's important. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really important. But like, yeah, in terms of our relationship, it like, you know, it's a, he's a hard you know he's a hard hard-nosed father you know he has very very high expectations yeah and i've learned a lot through that relationship and i've learned a lot through how i've handled that relationship yeah there are certain times where i have like stood my ground and like reacted back with arrogance yeah and like that arrogance led to like explosiveness in the relationship yeah. but there and there's certain times where that bit me in the ass right and there's certain times that that actually allowed me to gain a level of respect yeah. you know and do what I had to do yeah but at that point right it's like he's telling me I need to do something I'm gonna say fuck that I have this other vision of where I want to be I'm gonna go pursue that I convinced him to let me do it yeah I cannot fail yeah I cannot fail you know um and it's like I've framed every like decision like that like I've failed like tons of times right mm-hmm. But, like, every single time, like, I'm trying to, like, get myself into a position where, like, I can look my father in the face and say, hey, this sacrifice that you made was worth it. This is not the vision that you had for me, but this is a vision that's commensurate to that vision in magnitude. And I've achieved that. 
and then you do that a couple times and you have someone's respect forever Absolutely. right and now I feel like I can pursue anything and I'll have the support yeah the videos popping over <laughs> over over there right <laughs> what'd your dad say yeah no yeah no, no I mean it's like it's crazy because he's got like a really deep uh, deep squad in Hyderabad like yeah. where we grew up in like, <laughs> India and it's like my, my video is blowing up on WhatsApp right now <laughs> you know yeah yeah and like you know there's pe people are very positive to it I'm getting like mad like inbound messages on Facebook and then there's people that are utterly terrified because it's not it's not PG stuff right like I'm out there it's like you know parental advisory explicit content so it's one thing to hear that in English but it's another thing if you're like using ESL then you got that filter right and seeing an Indian dude scream profanities for uh for two and a half minutes over like a over like a New York hip-hop beat having his face off <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, I appreciate you opening up about your pops and yeah man and seeing both of you all today it honestly is is just like I remembered it back in your 18 but there's there's a different you know texture and tone to it right yeah because you all are both men yeah. and you all are talking like this right now you got a good father man yeah no he's yeah. hilarious unfortunately it's mostly at my expense but like you know you just kind of take it and run with yeah. it <laughs> so let's go back to the start of producing and putting out music let's go back to nyu yeah and the experience that you had meeting Vic and Viv, creating Guerrilla Warfare Tactics, and having this legitimate buzz as an underground hip-hop group yeah. in the early years of the decade yeah. in New York. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, like I think like Vic and Viv will like, tell you the shit hit us out of nowhere, right? Um, and I think that after it was like kind of all said and done, and like a reason that, you know, not only just pursuing music, right? Yeah. It's not just about music, right? Everything we do is a vessel to have a platform to change something, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was like 19 and for whatever reason, right? Whether justified or unjustified, people are listening to what you say and you realize that you have, there's a power that you have and that you have a platform and a position that you can actually change something and inspire people. It's like, it's that feeling that, you know, is forcing them I'm not going to speak on their behalf, right? But it makes you feel some type of way to want to get to that level again so that you're, you know, you have a position in this world, you know? Um, for me, that's like everything. Like, I had this, the first song not popped off, right? So I guess, you know, for Guerrilla Warfare Tattoos, the first track that we ever cut, we sent it over to our favorite blog, Pitches and Planes. They posted it three hours later. It blew up on the internet, number one on Hype Machine, and like, we're just touring, doing shows, all like we were like kind of balancing other shit, right? And NYU is also like a huge music school, right? They're like kids in my class that are, you know, have just been recently nominated for Grammys and mm -hmm. stuff. And then these Indian kids that are in the business school are making like fire hip hop that everyone in like the New York underground hip hop community is talking about, right? Like, you don't, and this happened like a year and a half after I left St. Louis, right? Yeah. So it's, a, it's just like a crazy panorama, right? To think about. Yeah. Um, but like, I think like, it did a couple things like one you recognize like the power of a platform it's like two and probably more significantly you realize how much a gap is left in your life when you lose that platform mm -hmm. you know yeah and then third which is kind of related is that like it's not just about like having the platform it's just like when i lost that and after i graduated and you know what you do do you mind 
talking about a little bit of what you did after yeah yeah of course so you know we dropped our last project me Vic and Viv with the group Guerrilla Warfare Tactics at the end of college yeah um and it's one of those things man we all straight up had like jobs on Wall Street lined up um and I know there was like a part in all of us that were like, hey, let's just like go drop this shit and do it. Chase the money, chase the chase money. Chase the money, chase the money. <laughs> and like had like, you know, Metro Boomin hit me with an email. I probably would have done it. But in the absence of an email from Metro, <laughs> you know, I'm going to Bank of America and they're going, they're going to Goldman Sachs, right? right? Yeah. And we, you know, we never thought about it, right? We've been balancing this shit the entire time. We've been balancing music at a very high level with like school at a very high level. Yeah. Then you enter Wall Street and it's a completely different game. Partying at a very high level. Partying at a very high level. Yeah, man. It's like, it's draining. Yeah. So it's like you enter that environment. It's not the hours, right? The hours are one part of it, right? You don't have time to go to the studio. You don't have time to write. Yeah. But really what it is, is the, is how homogenous the environment is and how antithetical the environment is to any sort of creative juices flowing in your head. Because you not only... Because when I'm at NYU, I can be myself, right? Yeah. I'm in New York. I can be exactly who I am. I have friends who accept me for who I am. I cannot do that having to rock like Alan Edmonds and Brooks Brothers to like one Bryant Park to like do investment banking for Bank of America for 80 hours a week. Yeah. I cannot be myself. Yeah. And I think that what you, what you realize is that... And I think like what... I'm finally in a position where I can do now is that I don't have to I don't have to switch in my head anymore mm. you know yeah. which is really really important yeah because it's so exhausting and you see this when you walk when you walk into any environment really when you walk into any room it's like you I see this when I walk into emos in St. Louis <laughs> you know like straight up earlier today huh? earlier today <laughs> actually actually yesterday as well the same one I have to hit the, oh man okay it, yeah right make an emo's move yeah for sure um but yeah like back to the point it's just like it's not like the work itself that is exhausting right it's the yeah. mental capacity that you have to exhaust on switching and becoming like the person you're not yes. and having to keep that because realistically it's like the work is one thing right that's what making is the same. Everyone does the same shit. You're crunching the numbers. It's not that hard, right? All you got to do is just do the work and then kiss ass, right? Mm -hmm. Doing the work is one thing, but you also have to be someone that they feel is in line with that company culture, right? Yeah. Nobody out there on the senior levels listening to hip-hop, right? It's like nobody is talking in any sort of vernacular. People aren't talking like normal and shit. It's just like not a place where I, I personally could have been myself. It might be for other people, but it's not. Yeah. And to me, that was the most exhausting thing about it. Yeah. Um, and then it was lessened. You know, then I spent the next four years. I, I was working at SpaceX in L.A. Yeah. Um, and I think like it was beautiful, man. Like the first like three and a half years of that were like. All right, I can like actually kind of be myself here. Yeah. There are people here. I started a jazz band with group with with like a group of kids that yeah. I met there, right? Yeah. People are like, into hip hop and stuff like that. But yeah. then like you know what kind of happens? It's just like you're in this beautiful environment. You're doing amazing stuff. I'm able to like be really passionate about saying what I do. But then the shit just turns corporate, man. Yeah. You know, and it it happens every time. There's not a company that doesn't turn corporate. Like some boss like hires his boy, right? Blah blah blah. It's like nobody's like getting promoted, yeah. you know. And then they're like, then next thing I know, Everything like, shifts. yeah. 
And next thing I know, it's like when I used to be like, you know, grinding at my desk all day. Next thing I know, I'm, no, I'm spending 20 minutes out of every hour, like writing music in my car. Yeah. And then popping in and out. I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. But you gotta be honest with yourself about that, you know? Yeah. You know? I feel you, bro. Hey, you, you spoke about spaces that you were in at NYU, being a part of the the business school, undergrad business school, but also doing music, yeah. also having this platform to be able to express yourself, yeah. and then going straight into banking and having that getting sucked away from you, yeah. not having that, that, that mic anymore, not having that space to be able to, to actually express yourself, and then going to SpaceX and being able to have both, yeah. but then understand that you really only want one thing. Yeah. And at those times, I'm sure that there were people that sort of signaled to you and helped you along the way to, to get to where you are at this point right now. Yeah. Can you talk about somebody recently that's had the most impact on you and has inspired you and sort of pushed you and affirmed you know, your vision and your mission and what you're doing right now? Somebody recently that's had a, an effect on you as it relates to music, as it relates to your art generally, yeah. um, your just personal well-being. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, you're one of them, right? Like straight up. But I'm not gonna gas you up on your own podcast. Like also <laughs> straight up, you know. Um, okay. But I think it's just like, I think this is like the first time, like in a while, I've like really leaned on people creatively. You know, the art that I've made over like the last like year has been like the most like open and vulnerable art that I've ever made mm -hmm. and I've allowed more people than I normally would have in on that creative process mm -hmm. um and that's the music I've been like screenwriting a whole bunch so I'm like, pitching a couple pilots right now and it's it's you know it, it's really really funny because it's like and you start to like realize that people respect you for like different reasons like not like not like in a bad way right because there's like the type of person that like respects you for what you represent on kind of like a surface level right like yeah. on that surface level I am like you know a graduate from like a pretty good college you know that is working at like an Elon Musk rocket company yeah. you know and to me you know to them their fascination with me is that yeah you know and that's fine, right? Because I'm not out here saying I'm not passionate about that. Yeah. You know, they see the surface and, like, that's fine. And that, that is, on the surface level, the most interesting fact about me, yeah. right? On the other end, and I think, like, the people that I've been really, really fortunate to know or, like, reconnect with over the last couple years um, are the ones who respect me more from following what I'm, like, you know, passionate about doing, yeah. right? It's the ones that, like, you know, when they're saying, hey, like, you know after SpaceX I'm taking like six months off and I'm just gonna like work on music yeah. you know and I got like this whole plan and like this vision for things it's the people that are like I'm really happy for you I've wanted you to do this for like a long time like this is really inspiring thank you yes. as opposed to the ones that like you know kind of have like cold feet with it and I just be like dude like SpaceX like blah 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 you know because at the end of the day it's just like if you love someone right and you want the, you're gonna want to want them to follow your passions right yeah it's like you cannot just and it's like something that i try to do a lot yeah. right and i try to catch myself doing a lot yeah. is that like i when, whenever it's like someone leans on you or asks you for advice 
I think that we are like predisposition to still try to mold that person into the person that we want them to be. And I think it's like really, really important to kind of take a step back and try to understand what is this person's, like, where's their heart? Yeah. What is going to make this person happy? Yeah. And really like hone in on that and focus on it and then find your best way to amplify that in, an, in like a sustainable way. Yeah. Right. But that has to be the goal. Yeah. So for me, it's like, you know, like my buddy, like Josh, right? Yeah. Who I'm like, who's been just like an amazing person that I can open up to about pretty much like anything and like any insecurity and he gets it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, he's known me for a long time. It's people like you, you know, it's people like Mega, it's people like Tanima, it's like, yeah. you know, it's people like Eugene, it's like a shit ton of people, right? Yeah. And nobody has the same version of me right because like everyone connects with everyone on like completely different levels and that's like completely fine but I think at the end of the day every single one of those people has like looked at me and said okay like what is important to me about our relationship is not that you were a specific type of person that I want to keep around what is important to me about our relationship is that you're happy yes and that I believe that you will have the greatest impact on the world, but more importantly, be happy if I do everything I can to understand what you're passionate about and then, like, find a way that you can pursue that in a sustainable way. Absolutely, man. Uh, And I've found that, and I'm just, like, I cannot understate how much right now in my life I'm a product of that. And, like, for the first time, if there's, like, any... You know, there's been, like, crazy downs, you know? But, like, for the first time in, like, the, you know in recent memory it's just like every single thing I choose to spend time with and that's work wise it's music wise it's creative wise but it's also like relationship wise is like a hundred percent like a hundred percent because I want to you know not because I'm being pressured yeah I feel like I have full agency over my life for the first time like really ever yeah Take you twenty take me twenty seven years to do it, and like I don't know how long it's gonna last, but like in this moment, I'm gonna like really try to like recognize how blessed I am to have that. Yeah. That I have the luxury to pursue everything that I want to right now, yeah. and I'm gonna like try to make the most of it because it could be gone tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's so apparent that there's a heightened sense of clarity with you right now that you're going for it, and it's so fly. It's so dope. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Hey man, you gave me half the lingo, so I appreciate you too. <laughs> Everything about it, man. I um, I, I want to ask one more question, and and this is more um, along the lines of your values and yeah. how you were raised, um, and how you've refined that over time, and now how you're living that. Yeah. Is there? something that you have discovered um an ethos uh, a manner a way that you approach life um, that you hold to be true at this moment that a lot of people or maybe mainstream might not agree with you on just something that you believe to be true that yeah often gets pushed back i mean i think i see it a lot in like music um and you know a lot of like the artists that I'll work with or writers or even the people that are trying to enable those people right I think everyone's you know kind of got this concept or how do you say it like almost like a Christ complex Mm -hmm. you know it's just like 
that they're only going to be happy if they get the credit for any cultural change that may come in their wake, you know? And, like, you know, credit's great and everything, but it's... And I I, I think I I was talking to you about this, right? It's just, like, I don't need my name on a monument, you know? I don't need to be, like, immortalized, you know, in stone. It'd be, like, nice. Like, I don't need my name on a fucking football (laughs) field at, like, my alma mater. Like, I don't need any of this shit, right? Because... You know, anything material is like completely irrelevant, right? Like, what is it worth? There's no difference between a monument and like a blade of grass. It's the same thing. It's gonna go with the earth. So for me, it's like, what can I do with the education that I've been given? What can I do with the skills that I've been gifted with? And what can I do with the things that like I have, for whatever reason, become passionate about? to like really inspire people and I guess change like the way that people think about themselves and what their capacity and change like their understanding of what their ceiling is and their capacity to achieve anything. The people that I look up to are people that are been successful in like multiple fields and most of the time in fields that they had no precedent, Mm. you know? And it's not that they're impressive because they were like the ones to do it they're impressive because of what they leave in their wake you know it's like I'm a product of every single person before me that did it because of the because of the love of people you know and I believe that um some of them are like you know borderline like psychos right (laughs) but at the end of the day it's just like when I think about legacy it doesn't necessarily need to have my name on it I just want to know that I did what I was passionate about and I left the world a more a place with more opportunity for like a score of people it's not just people that look like me right uh it's not just people that i know in my personal circle yeah. but it's just like did i do this not expecting the credit and just unlock a whole bunch of opportunity and potential and a whole bunch of people because for the re- you know realistically like i'm inspired by people that i have never met and will never meet in my lifetime yeah. So I don't need to have like that one to one like validation with someone like tweeting at me or like getting in my face. Yeah. But if like, you know, someone in like ten years like dusts off like a piece of work that I've done and listens to it and it changes the way they think about the world, like I'm completely good to, good with that. Yeah. So just wanna try to amplify that as much as I can while I have like the energy to do so. Yeah. Honestly it's like we have these conversations a lot and like yeah. we can have them infinitely. Yes. But you know, I'm glad we got this one on wax. Absolutely. Appreciate you, bro. Always, bro. We didn't even get to talk about your sister. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she has a feature on the tape. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, that's my, that's, my, that's my secret weapon. I can't, I can't have you find out about her before she drops on that feature. Man. The best is yet to come, people. Straight up, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kanakadundi Love V2 is much more fire than V1 somehow. Right on. <laughs> Appreciate you, bud.